Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I'm going to try to keep spirits high on this podcast, but it's not going to be easy. Because yesterday truly was, I don't didn't even matter what sport you were paying attention to, yesterday was a day of injury, and it sucks. You don't expect to have such a short card and also come up with big injury stuff. Although, to be fair, one of them was from a game on Sunday, so I, I guess I need to be a little bit more judicious in how I throw around what happened on yesterday's actual card. But the big one, of course, is LaMelo Ball, who seemed to just kind of roll his ankle a little bit, not on anybody else's foot. He was kind of backpedaling, and it buckled. And I, I remember I was watching that game because I was, you know, it's funny, I was watching Dennis Smith Jr., because I had just talked about him on the podcast as a guy sliding into additional role when Jalen McDaniels and Mason Plumlee got shipped out. And it wasn't the most obvious thing because you figured, all right, two front court guys. Now, P.J. Washington was out in yesterday's ballgame as well, so it was three guys out. Uh, and that's when Dennis Smith kind of jumped up from like 25, 26 minutes up into the 30 range was they just moved everybody up a click. It wasn't like DSJ was getting P.J. Washington's minutes. It was that, you know, Oubre, Kelly Oubre, who's been working his way back, he picked up a few, uh, and J.T. Thor picked up probably the biggest chunk of them. But then everybody just had to do a little bit more. So Gordon Hayward had to go a little bit more, and Rozier had to do a little bit more, and Oubre a little bit more, and that just meant that they'd slide them up a click, and Dennis Smith was able to pick up a few point guard minutes. And I was talking about him on these podcasts late last week, early this week, and I wanted to watch him. I wanted to see what he looked like more than anything. Uh, how did he fit even with the additional minutes? And it was, you know, wasn't anything to write home about. In fact, after half of this ball game, my, my thought was, ah, eh, you know, DSJ, fine, but more of a schedule stream, and I was getting ready to, to shuffle along, and then LaMelo had that weird third-quarter foot tweak, and I remember right around the quarter break, I think that the Hornets threw it to their uh, their studio crew, and the studio crew was like, ah, you know, let's, let's hope that there was just a little roll, and, you know, the ankle just buckled, he's had some ankle st- stuff this year, and, you know, they'll be cautious, and hopefully everything will be okay, they didn't have that that gravity in their tone that it did ultimately end up being. So LaMelo Ball, who set, I think, some kind of franchise record at halftime with 15 points and five boards and five assists and five three-pointers or something crazy like that, didn't add, unfortunately, to that mark and then fractured his ankle is the ruling. X-rays were not clean. LaMelo Ball is out for the season, and all of a sudden... Dennis Smith Jr. got real interesting. So I don't want to gloss over the fact that this has been a complete and utter disaster of a year for LaMelo Ball. He was, I feel somewhat fortunate, not someone that we targeted in drafts. Not because of this. I didn't think that he was going to be hurt for half the year. I just thought that he was generally getting overdrafted. And then I think he came into the season with a tweak. So that pushed him down the board a little bit. I thought, ah. 
okay, well, like, if he's really falling towards the end of the second round, then we could take a look at him. But I don't believe he fell that far. And where in the hell did he go in some of my competitive drafts? Competitive league, he went at 15. Is that where it generally was? All right, I got to pull up the draft analysis board at Yahoo to see where the hell this dude was, was going. Sort by ADP. We'll do this live on air. 13.3. So Lamella was going early second round. And in my estimation, I thought that was still a little bit too soon. So we didn't end up with a lot of Lamello. It's largely a bullet dodge for us. But this still sucks. Because I know some of you, many of you actually, probably listen to a few different things when you're sorting out your stuff. You're not like exclusively Fantasy NBA Today and then go. Many of you listen to this. You probably read some other stuff at Ethos. You probably listen to some other pods. You probably read some other articles. You look at all the different rank boards. And I don't... I actually don't. I've completely stopped looking at anything else that anybody else does. I feel like I've actually gotten better by not clouding my own judgment. So I have no idea who had LaMelo higher, who had him lower. I just know that some of you are going to end up with him as I wrench my hand through my headphones mid-show. I just know some of you are going to end up with him, and this sucks for you. But if we want to try to look at this from a, a slightly more positive standpoint which is very hard to do, I understand. Dennis Smith Jr. now steps into a much larger role. One of the reasons that I was only kind of high on DSJ on these recent shows, even with his higher minute total, was that, yes, he was playing what you'd call point guard, but the guys that he was battling for ball handling duty LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, and then more recently now Kelly Oubre coming back. These are a lot of, of kind of ball-dominant type of players, less so Oubre. He doesn't pass. Once he gets it from the other guys, he's going to shoot it. But Rozier, he's a creator. Hayward's a creator. LaMelo's a creator. That made the path for Dennis Smith to actually orchestrate anything kind of difficult. And a lot of his value is wrapped up in assists and steals, and only one of those two things you can get if you don't actually have the basketball in your hand. So, yes, P.J. Washington being out created a path for DSJ to see a few extra minutes on the court, but no, it didn't really create a path for him to get to do a lot more in those minutes in the way that this news definitely does. So, yes, this is... A disaster for LaMelo Ball, and his season will go down as a massive flop. However, now DSJ has one fewer creator in front of him, and we don't know when P.J. Washington's coming back. I'm actually not that concerned about it, uh, because now with the point guard down, you'll see Dennis Smith get, I would think, at least high 20s in minutes almost every ball game, and then some days, even if he's coming off the bench, once this team's fully healthy and they move everybody down a peg... So it'll be Rogier at point guard. Uh, Hayward would be the shooting guard. I mean, I, it feels like Dennis Smith is going to start the rest of the way. And then JT Thor would be swapped out for PJ Washington when he returns. But I guess there's a universe where Ubre moves into the starting lineup and blah, blah, blah. Regardless, Dennis Smith feels like he's on his way to 28 minutes or more. And more of those minutes will be as the primary. Or at least the secondary, not so much tertiary or quaternary 
which is what we were seeing a little bit before. What does that mean from a fantasy standpoint? Uh, I don't think you can go back to the beginning of the year because that was a stretch where he was playing with no Rozier and no ball. So there wasn't really any other guard standing in his way. Hayward was oddly upright during most of those ball games. That was before Gordon's first injury. This won't quite be like that because Hayward, Rozier, those guys are still kind of in the way instead of being, in that case, he was the secondary guy. Now he's probably, again, more like secondary or, or tertiary in most situations. But you're going to see a little bit of an uptick. So early in the year, we saw Dennis Smith touching top 50, kind of hovering more in the 50 to 60 range. More recently, even with the bigger minutes, he was more in the 90 to 100 range. Now you probably see him push more in the, I would think, 80 is a decent target for him. And that's also what I tweeted over at Dan Vespris on Twitter. And the other news of the day is that LeBron James, we got a timetable on his ankle injury, which... That all happened since our last show. Goodness, I forgot. So the LeBron thing, we knew he had been, I think we knew yesterday when we did the pod that he had already been ruled out for the Lakers game against Memphis, but a lot of us, myself included, thought that perhaps the Lakers were just kind of playing it safe in the front end of a back-to-back in a game that they didn't expect to win because D'Lo is still doubtful with his ankle tweak, and then the Lakers have the Thunder the following night, which... And that's a colossally important game for L.A. Well, then the news came out more towards the evening yesterday that the Lakers were bracing for LeBron to miss extended time. Which, in my opinion, I thought that meant a month. Extended time, in my mind, is a month. The news this morning... I mean, this has been a frickin' roller coaster for LeBron. The news this morning suggests that LeBron is expected to miss uh, at least two weeks and they're shooting for the two- to three-week timetable, they didn't do this sort of will-be-reevaluated shtick, because when you hear two- to three-week or reevaluated in two or three weeks or whatever it is, the thing that pops into all of our minds, and it should, frankly, uh, is that that's <laughs> not actually what it's going to be. Like, remember Steph went down, and they were like, oh, we're going to check him out in two to three weeks, and now he's not even anywhere, anywhere close to coming back. Uh, Shams verbiage, Shams Charania, will likely miss the next two to three weeks. That's not a reevaluation. That's a, we hope to have him back in two to three weeks. Will he for sure? Hard to say. But it does sound like he's trying to get back at some point mid-late March and still have another two to three weeks of regular season under his belt. This is extremely troubling if you're in a head-to-head format, and I would use this as yet another reason for me to say to you, come on, try Roto. Because this is bad for Roto, but it doesn't end a season. It doesn't end a season. You lose your second-round pick, for two to three weeks, that doesn't end your season. I know LeBron has been a little beat up this year, and he's sort of probably trying to play in about 55 to 57 games when all is said and done, and that'll be far less than any of us were hoping for. And that'll cause him to miss his ADP, uh, at least on the total side. It, ADP on the head-to-head side, he's probably, or uh, per-game side, he's probably going to be very close. Um, but... 
If you're in a roto league, you just sit on him for two to three weeks, and then you hope to get him back for the last three. It doesn't end your season. Head-to-head playoffs that start this week, next week, or even the week after that, this LeBron injury probably ends your season. Or at the very least forces you to drop your second-round pick for somebody on the waiver wire. That's crushing. I get it. It's soul-crushing. Play Roto. Play Roto. You won't have this problem. Play Roto and you won't have this problem, people. If somebody misses 20 games during a season, it's annoying. But it doesn't end your season. And by the way, this isn't even the best example of it. I always think back to, uh, oh, what year was it? Was, was it the COVID year? No, I think it was the year after that. I think it was 2020, 2021, that I just had this absolute juggernaut rolling through my head-to-head league. I had a first-round bye. I had everything queued up uh, for the, the semifinal round. And you guys, I might, get the, I might be getting the year wrong. I had uh, Trey, who was having one of his big seasons then, if I'm not mistaken. Was that one of the good Trey years? And then I had Zach Levine, who was having one of his big seasons. And I forget who else. All I know is that I got into that semifinal round, and I was just tweaked, man. I was going to obliterate my opponent because I'd made all my moves the week before to bulk up my games played. And then Trey tweaked an ankle. It was like the only injury he had the the whole damn season. And he missed, what was it, two, three games? The whole freaking year, he missed like three games, and it was in that one semifinal week. And Zach Levine went into protocols. He was in COVID, and I lost. Those guys combined, whatever year that was. I think it was 2020, 2021, but I'm not positive because they all blur together a little bit. Uh Maybe it was the was it it couldn't have been the COVID year because that all got canceled. Um was it the year before COVID? Is that possible? 1819? No, that can't be right. When the crap did this happen? It doesn't matter. They all run together, and I know it wasn't last year. So I thought it was 2020-21, but I truly don't remember. Um and I lost because of one little blip. Play Roto. I'm always going to have a couple of head-to-head leagues because I actually I think it's really important that I do it kind of along with all of you so that way when I'm giving head-to-head advice, it's not like I'm just pulling it out of the clouds. But this LeBron injury probably ends a lot of head-to-head seasons. And that sucks because two to three weeks is actually not that long. Good day, everyone. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. I don't even think I said hello. Hi, I am Dan Bespris at Dan Bespris on Twitter. Hey, are a lot of you hanging out with me on YouTube these days? We're trying to do it every single weekday. Uh, I I don't know that I can pull it off every single one, but darn it, it's I'm relatively close, and I feel pretty good about that. So, if you're watching this show live, I'm so grateful. Thank you for doing so. Please like and subscribe to our YouTube page because we're doing these types of things every single day. If you are listening on one of the recorded channels, come join us live on YouTube. We try to do it some point during the 9 a.m. hour Pacific time every day. The first five questions at the beginning of the show in the YouTube live chat, I will answer before the show starts. So, if you're quick, if you're quick on the draw... You can get your question answered. I will also answer 
usually all of the questions that remain after the show on YouTube. So it's a really fun way for you guys, if you want to bug me on something specific to your team, uh, you can do that. It's uh, youtube.com slash sports ethos is the website. I hope that we will see you guys over there. Uh, again, like and subscribe and use the chat room. If you're watching live right now, throw your question in the chat room. We'll get to that after the show begins. I also hope that any of you that are joining us here for the first time and didn't, did not find us through Twitter, will now find me over on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. It is right there on your screen if you're watching live. Uh, for those of you listening, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. All right, we talked about the big stories from yesterday, but the, let's go through some of the little stuff as well. Charlotte beat Detroit 117-106. They were up big in this ball game, and then LaMelo got hurt, and then they were not up quite as large as the game continued to kind of piddle along. We talked about Dennis Smith Jr. a lot. Also of note on the Charlotte side, Mark Williams, another double-double, 15-11 with a block on excellent field goal percent. This should be a really nice run for him rest of season, probably in the 70 range is where I'm hunting. Anything above that, I'll be very pleased Gordon Hayward continues his late-season surge. Took him three months to figure out how to play basketball again. By the way, it's not a coincidence that the Hornets have started, actually, sometimes you figure at this point, accidentally winning basketball games since Gordon Hayward started to play a little bit better. I mean, they're cooked now with no LaMelo, but they're actually 5-5 five and five in their last 10 ball games and on a five-game winning streak. Hornets, you're screwing this up. You're screwing it up a lot, actually. You're four and a half games up on the third worst record. I don't know if the Hornets are going to effectively tank right. You idiots. It's actually kind of okay. Uh, what it also means is that, at least right now, they're not going into full tank mode. And if they win a couple more ball games, they're probably not going to be able to get into that bottom three. And that might allow them to play Rozier, Hayward, Oubre, etc. a little bit more down the stretch. That's good. Ubre, by the way, is up to 27 minutes now. I think you can safely start him in most formats, especially with LaMelo going down. He gets a bunch of extra usage as well. It's Chuck time, baby. Let's get chucking. For Detroit, everybody was hurt. I really I did this stupid crap on yesterday's show where I couldn't, I wasn't sure if I was pronouncing Isaiah Liver's name right, and then I was going to go look it up after the show. And of course, I forgot to do so. So uh, I'm going to screw it up again on this one. Sigh. Oh, well. Um. Anyway, he got hurt. That's the point. Uh, Rodney Magruder stepped into a bunch of extra playing time. Gross. I mentioned Alec Burks as what I thought would be a good fill-in for Jaden Ivey. Um, and he basically was. 17 points, 4 boards, 2 assists, and a steal. So nice little stream for Burks. Killian Hayes stepped into a much larger role with no Ivy around. He's also likely streamable as long as Ivy is missing time, which doesn't sound like it's going to be all that long, but that's the Detroit backcourt, which is super weird right now. If you look at the Detroit frontcourt, I mean, what, a, what an absurd situation I got going on there. Jalen Duran is nursing bilateral ankle soreness. Not a case of the sore foot. Uh, so James Wiseman played 27 minutes. Didn't pick up a foul, but likely because he didn't bother to play any defense. Zero steals, zero blocks. 23-7. and seven. Wiseman, I think, is a stream, at least on the points league side, while Jalen Duran is out. I have a lot of trouble firing him up in a nine-category situation because his peripheral stats are whack. 
His free throw percentage is whack. Um, If you are, I mean, again, if you're in a particular punt build and all you need is field goal percent and some rebounds, then okay. But, you know, to me, the bad kind of outweighs the good. And I feel the same way about Marvin Bagley. The bad is going to outweigh the good here. He didn't start at power forward. He was playing behind the aforementioned livers. Bagley is a points league darling. Hamadou Diallo is a points league darling. Uh, Diallo is another guy who has a really rough time at the free throw line. Pretty good with steals and field goal percent. But the problem with these guys, and and I know the follow-up that you, you guys are like, well, you just talked about Dennis Smith Jr., Dan, being really good at steals and assists and not particularly good at other stuff. The difference is that Dennis Smith Jr. is not a tank guy in any one category. He's not a punt play. He's not bad at something to a point where it negatively impacts your team. Like, DSJ's not going to hit many three-pointers. He'll hit, like, half a ball game. But that doesn't kill your team the way that, you know, uh, Bagley going one for three at the free throw line or, heaven forbid, he gets there more often or Wiseman going four out of six or Diallo going three out of six. These guys are all punt free throw dudes. They're all kind of punt three-point dudes on top of that. They're all kind of punt <laughs> other stuff, too. None of them... Marvin Bagley probably has the best shot to hit three-pointers among that crew. But again, if you have a particular build, if you, you know, punting particular things, points league, stuff like that, that's why these guys need to be mentioned. If you're at Roto, I wouldn't. Miami got a rare win these days, which maybe that isn't fair. But the Heat have looked bad lately. Played better in this ballgame, got off to a good start, and then kind of rode that the rest of the way. Jimmy Butler, the focal point of everything that went right for the Heat in yesterday's contest. He's back up to number 14 on a per-game basis. The good news there is because the Heat have been kind of bad this season, Jimmy Butler probably can't take rest days. So he might actually get up into the mid-60s in games played, which would end up making him a pretty good fantasy asset because what do the heat have left about 20 ball games i think there's a real chance that that butler plays in like 90 percent of their remaining games that would make him a hit this year cool uh kevin love had a tougher time in this one not surprisingly um because of the philly front court he still had eight points five boards and a couple of threes um I don't know what the right fantasy terminology is for Kevin Love. He's not a speculative ad because he's starting, and I think if he's starting games, you can start him in your fantasy league, but I also know that his upside is severely limited by the fact that Kevin Love can't guard anybody. He never really could, but now he really can as he's gotten older. But the Heat badly looking for floor spacing. That's why he's in the starting lineup. They trust his three-point shot more than that of Caleb Martin. And so every day, Spo is just kind of mixing and matching to try to find the guys that they can space around Butler and Adebayo. And if that's Kevin Love, a little more rebounding and some floor spacing, but bad defense, that's the card they're playing right now. So I know his minutes were lower in this one. I think they'll generally be a little bit higher against non-gigantor Joel Embiid teams. Um, I also think there's a very real chance like 60% or higher, that the Heat go away from Kevin Love if someone else on the team starts to warm up from the perimeter. 
But he should be rostered for now. Gabe Vincent was a little bit better. Still feels like Kyle Lowry's starting to get close. Vincent hasn't been able to do enough as long as Tyler Hero's been around. And now I, I feel like Kevin Love actually made the situation worse because he's not only a power forward that is out there to space the floor. Love is not going to be shy in a way that Caleb Martin is often shy with shooting the basketball. DeAnthony Melton got 31 minutes. You can't see me if you're not watching this show, but I just threw my arms out to the side in confusion. It's all how the game is going. Doc Rivers is going full feel mode with Melton's minutes these days. So sometimes it's 13 and he's fouling out. Sometimes it's 23. Sometimes it's 31. I think in general, the sort of normal game for Melton is probably around 25. Tyrese Maxey fouled out of this game in 28 minutes, so that gave Melton a, a couple extra. But uh, I mean, we're talking maybe four, three or four Maxey minutes that went back to DeAnthony. I think, uh, this hurts me to say it, and sports ethos people are going to come hunt me down and stab me in my cruddy little office chair. I think Melton is probably droppable even after a 31-minute ball game. Personally, you guys always want to know what I'm actually doing with him myself. Personally, I am holding on for one more game. He bought himself another game on my roster. You guys might remember that uh, three games ago, I said Melton's got three games to prove to me he des- he belongs on my roster, and he was terrible for the first two, and he was serviceable here in the third. So he bought himself just a little bit more time, he still doesn't get to do anything when he plays with Harden and Embiid. That's what kills me. He doesn't get to do anything, especially now that Maxi comes in and takes all the bench shots. Harden, Embiid, and Maxi combined for 47 of Philly's 73 field goal attempts in this game. They also combined for 19 of Philly's 28 free throw attempts in this game. They also combined for 12 of Philly's 18 turnovers in this game. There's just nothing left beyond those three guys. Sometimes you get a little bit going to Tobias Harris, who, by the way, is a hold even after this terrible ball game. He's been good enough, not nearly as good as he was earlier in the year, but he's been good enough to hang on to. But there's just nothing left for Maxi as the fifth option. But I am holding on for one more ball game because if he, even if he doesn't have anything to do If he manages to play high 20s in minutes, he'll do enough in the defensive department and probably hit a couple of three-pointers. That would be enough to barely hang on, but I do think that we're probably right at the tail end. The Knicks have been playing well these days. Josh Hart has given them an invigorated spirit. They moved in front of the Nets. They've won six games in a row for a season-best nine games over five hundred. And frankly, they're trying to chase down the Cavs. They might do it. Probably not, but they might. Knicks are legitimately decent this year. They're not great, but they have the personnel that Tom Thibodeau loves to play some defense. So they're Ding up this year. Julius Randle's been much more efficient. And having Jalen Brunson around has been a big part of that. Just having someone else that can go create a little bit. I love what Josh Hart has done for this team. He was a plus 15 in the ballgame. How much did they win the game by? 15. Quentin Grimes, who started the game, was a zero in plus minus. I continue to wonder how long before uh, Tibbs starts Josh Hart, 
but they're winning right now, so I don't think they're going to change anything up while it's working. Emmanuel quickly had his second good ball game in a row. He's still more of a schedule stream play because once he cools off, uh, all the fun goes away. And then Mitchell Robinson is fully cranked up now, 32 minutes. He missed all four of his free throws. Oh, my God, shoot me in the face. But 10 points, 13 boards, two steals, two blocks, and five for five from the field. That'll play. As far as Boston goes, no big surprises there. Jason Tatum got ejected and then had a really funny tweet after the ball game. Someone posted a video of Randall fouling Tatum on a three-point shot, uh, and Tatum quote tweeted the video and said, this is what I get for fouling Braun. You guys all remember the foul that Tatum had on LeBron at the end of that Celtics-Lakers game? I like when the when the players can look at something and tell the truth and then turn it into a joke. That was funny. I liked it. Even as a Laker fan, I liked it. You gotta work hard to get me to say nice things about the Celtics outside of fantasy. Uh, Time Lord was quiet, but fairly productive. Seven boards, couple of blocks, three of four. He missed two free throws. Otherwise, I would have been pretty satisfied with 29 minutes. He obviously hasn't been what we wanted him to be, but he's more of a 70-range guy instead of a 30-range guy. Still startable, just... Like, try to make that adjustment in your heart for Time Lord. Don't expect top 30. It's not happening. If you expect top 65, top 70, 75, whatever, then you won't be so upset when he has a game like this one because you're like, ah, well, this is only a little bit behind my target. Big Al was fine. Again, kind of the same story. Uh, We figured he would be more like top 50 before the team got healthy. He was more like top 60, 70. Now they're healthy, and he's more like top 80. It'll be fine. But Jalen Brown missed this one ball game. He's expected back for the next one. That just meant more for Malcolm Brogdon, more for Derek White. We know how that goes for Boston. Move along. Orlando, New Orleans, just the fourth and final game, believe it or not, of this very short Monday card. Don't worry, we have a Tuesday preview coming up here. A lot of games going on tonight. Uh, John, or Jonathan Isaac sat this one out with a hamstring soreness. I think they might even be calling it like a fully pulled a hammy. What a pisser, man. He was actually, I thought, within like 7 to 10 days of getting up near 20 minutes. But this is going to set him back. He might, if this hamstring thing keeps Jonathan Isaac out for more than a week, we might not see him hit 20 minutes this year, even in the remaining six weeks, because they might just keep him at 18 the whole way through. But, again, if you've been squatting on him all this way, just keep squatting. Because if he does get up to 20 minutes, which, by the way, makes Orlando better, when he's in there playing a few more minutes of ball game, Magic, by the way, 26 and 36 on the year, six and four overall. That was, I thought, a pretty easy overcall back in August because the lines were set so low. And I think everybody thought the Magic were going to tank again this year, but they got the first pick. They had their tank. You got to figure out how, like, read the room a little bit. Who's the team that didn't get the pick they wanted? Houston wanted a higher one. That was a Spurs, obviously, once they detonated the whole thing. Anyway, uh, Cole Anthony got up to 27 minutes and had his worst productivity in a while, even in the higher minutes. This is kind of a weird one. Uh, Gary Harris played less. Markel Fultz played a tiny bit less, although he's the engine, man. Markel is running that team right now. He's been great. Mo Wagner played a little bit more again. He kind of outplayed Wendell Carter Jr. for a few stretches of this game, but not the whole way through. 
The minutes really had a strange distribution for Orlando yesterday. Uh, Jalen Suggs also got 23 minutes. The problem, of course, Jalen Suggs is more of a, uh, you know, punt guy, points league type. Cole Anthony gravitates that way, but not quite because he does get you points, threes, rebounds, assists, and steals, which is kind of enough for category leagues. But I just, as this team's gotten healthy now, it just feels like those fringy guys aren't probably going to be there. Here's the thing. What am I actually going to do myself? That's what you guys all want to know at the end of the day. What's Dan actually going to do? I don't want Jalen Suggs on my team, and I don't think I want Cole Anthony either. I'd rather just move on, head-to-head, roto, whatever. I think there's better stuff out there. And frankly, you know, with Dennis Smith Jr. popping up, and Kevin Love popping up, and Josh Richardson, who we're just about to talk about, had a quieter game, 5,027 minutes. Uh, He's a better option than these guys. Herb Jones, who got, uh, and I'm guilty of this, I bailed on him when he was hurt for half the the season, but he's back up to 115 on the year at this point. Herb had a really rough start to the season, but he's been much, much better lately. Uh, last month or so, I think it's been more of the uptick with Herb. He's still hovering around just inside the top 100, but that'll play in typical 9-cat, 12-teamers. Yes, he gravitates towards being more of a steel specialist, but Herb is a hold, Richardson's a hold, and uh, everybody else on that team that's coming off the bench. Basically, here, uh, let's make this easy. Start the starters for New Orleans right now. Jay Rich, Herb, Ingram, JV, McCollum, start the starters. Larry Nance is out probably for a couple of weeks, if I had to guess. Uh, So Jackson Hayes picked up a few extra minutes when the Pels tried to mix and match, see if they could get something else, just overcome Orlando. Things are rough right now for the Pellies. Man, do they miss Zion. Holy moly, what a difference that dude made. I know you can't give the MVP to a guy who barely played, but I don't know that anybody in the league is meaning more to their team than Zion Williamson this year. The Pelicans went from, like, pushing the top seed in the West to barely able to win basketball games. They're 30 and 32 now. It wasn't that long ago we were talking about, are the Pels a contender? It was Zion. You could see it. The eye test showed that he made them better, but I don't think any of us thought it was this big of a deal. These other guys are just kind of running out of gas of winning without Zion. Anyway, start the starters. Uh, This is your opportunity to try to milk a little bit out of Jonas Valanciunas while the backup center options are either not there or bad. Want to take a moment mid-show to remind everybody to hit me up either on YouTube or on Twitter at Dan Bespris if you'd like to join here at Sports Ethos and SportsEthos.com. I just found out we have two more potential football shows coming out. Folks that want to cover different teams, I think there might be a Steelers show in the works. If you guys are passionate about sports, I know some of you are so passionate, and you want to cover a team, basketball, baseball, football, hockey, whatever, hit me up at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or just drop it in the YouTube chat. I'll see it in the next couple of minutes over there. And let me know, and we'll connect, and we'll see if it's going to be a fit. And you want to cover a team as a podcaster, uh, it's a blast, man. It's a blast. But it's also a grind. You want to make this part of your life? This is a cool time to do it. Uh, Also, oh my God, we had a big viewership today. Also, 
Check out our baseball draft guide. It's the first time we've ever had a baseball draft guide. It's Sports Ethos and SportsEthos.com. Go to SportsEthos.com, click on the premium tab, and choose Get Premium $5.99 for the Fantasy Pass for a full month. You get the whole baseball draft guide. You get premium NBA comes in it as well. And we'll see you over in our Discord, which I actually, you know what? I'm going to put the Discord invite. Uh, it's in the, the show description, I think, somewhere. But I'm going to drop it in the YouTube chat right now as well. And, of course, if you're watching with us over on YouTube, please like and subscribe. This is one of the biggest shows we've done in a while. I don't know what's making it click quite like this. Maybe it's the fact that we're talking about LaMelo and LeBron today. But it's really cool to have all of you here. Super excited when the YouTube stuff grows. And this is the first day I've looked at it and gone, damn, we got bigger today. So like and subscribe. That's how more people will find it. That's how we'll continue to get bigger. And that's how I will do shows feeling happier as I do them. And don't you guys ultimately want me to be happy? Isn't my happiness the most important thing to you? Here's the Discord link. There, we'll throw it up on the screen. And if you're again, if you're listening on the recorded side, it's in the show description. Uh, so you should be able to pop on over and join us over there. I also, by the way, I did a... Uh, a live Q&A in Discord yesterday. Figured I'd mix it up a little bit, see if I could pull a few folks in. And uh, yeah, so that's another fun reason. You know, if you're not hitting me up here. Okay, let's talk about what's coming up tonight. I'm going to have a real good time. I feel alive. Anybody want to name that reference? Chicago is at Toronto. Uh, Freddie Van Fleet, I think, is off the injury report, if I'm remembering that from yesterday, which, actually, this gives us something that we have been waiting to find out, and that is, what does the Raptors starting five look like when everybody's back around? My guess is that, uh, Gary Trent is going to move to the bench, but we'll see. This is a possible opportunity for us to check that out. Kristaps Porzingis is back out for the Wizards, as is Monte Morris, meaning fire up DeLon Wright. You're probably going to do that anyway. Fire up Daniel Gafford, and you probably can even fire up Denny Avdi, although he's a little bit more fringy there. Gafford's the one that makes the huge leap forward with guaranteed center minutes. You know, he'll probably play 28 to 30, um, and we've seen Gafford go top 60 value when he's getting full starters minutes like that. So really good opportunity for a Daniel Gafford stream today. Atlanta... I think this will officially be the first game under Quinn Snyder. So that's kind of cool. Uh, Joe Prunty coached the last two. Hawks won them. I am interested to see if anything actually changes with this Hawks team, other than just like an the short blip of good good vibes when everybody just has change. Sometimes change is scary. Sometimes teams are kind of ready for it. I don't expect Sadiq Bey to have value going forward. I think John Collins trends up a little bit, and then everything else probably stays about the same with... Uh, you know, maybe does Okongwu see a little bit more playing time, but he should be rostered anyway. So no change there. Milwaukee, Giannis is probable, last I checked. Um, so this will be an interesting test also. Chris Middleton probably still stuck in that 26-27 minute range. But now you've got Crowder and Connaughton and Bobby Portis all kind of jammed into that power forward reserve bucket. None of this is going to be relevant for 12-teamers, but it might be for a little bit deeper. Brooklyn, I'm watching Cam Thomas to see what his role settles in. It looks like it's settling into something lightly useful in Roto, but more useful in head-to-head, -head, but we'll see on that front. Lakers, 
uh, without LeBron, we know that, probably without D'Angelo Russell, this is a streamer opportunity. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt is more than a stream. He was a guy we talked about for great length on yesterday's podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed our deep dive on Jared Vanderbilt yesterday. Uh, he's a start. Malik Beasley's a start with no Braun or D'Lo. Dennis Schroeder's probably a start with no Braun or D'Lo, but he's a little bit more questionable in my eyes just because there's a chance that he gets completely trucked by the Memphis backcourt. Uh, so Lakers have some some uh, stuff. For Memphis, I assume they're going to go Xavier Tillman against Anthony Davis at, in the front court, but I don't know for sure. Whatever you're doing there, they're probably going to put up an okay line against a Lakers team that is going to be, you know, going full reserve mode. But also, I get it if you're a little sheepish. I'm a little bit sheepish there. Denver, uh, I, mean, I think everybody's healthy for this one, so nothing. Houston, we might be getting some guys back. And if we do, then I am curious what that does to K.J. Martin more than, frankly, anybody else. So that's kind of the guy to watch if people come back for the Rockets. Otherwise, you know, same old shtick. Sacramento, nothing really. Um, you know, Malik Monk's been on a little bit of a heater lately. You can kind of ride him when he goes on these three or four game juicers. Uh, and then you want to hop off the boat when it runs out. OKC, Shea Gilgis-Alexander got placed in, in quarantine. He's in protocols. It's not quarantine anymore. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander got put in protocols today. He's the first covid case in the nba in a long time which you know that reminds me i haven't gone to the the covid tracker website in like three months because things have just been kind of chill across the country but for like a couple cities cases are very low uh for covid so this one kind of coming up out of the blue there is a lot of fear that the thunder are going into a tank i don't think that's what's happening here Honestly, the team's just been too good. Pulling the plug on Shea, I think, would set a really bad precedent for a team that's kind of winning this year. I think it would piss off Shea, honestly. I think the dude wants to play. I think he wants to get back in there and compete for a playoff spot because that's big for their growth, even if they get run in a play-in. I don't think he's a full tank. Maybe I'm nuts. Maybe I'm optimistic. But I don't think they're going full tank mode yet. Anyway, with Shea out, uh, Isaiah Joe will probably take 25 shots again. So he's a good streamer there. Indiana, nothing. Dallas, nothing really. I think they've mostly settled in. I mean, I suppose we could put a little, like, one left eye wink to Justin Holiday to see what his deal is going to be here. San Antonio, I said it on yesterday's show. I'm not going to repeat my take on everybody for the Spurs every single show. If you need to know my take on the Spurs, just look at anything I've done over the last, like, five days. And here's the very short version. Trey Jones is questionable. If he plays, uh, he might be on a minutes cap. But, you know, once he gets through that, he's a nine-cat guy. Zach Collins is a nine-cat guy. Devin Vassell is still hurt. He would be a nine-cat guy, but it doesn't sound like he's, like, right around the corner. I think the hope is that he's semi-close. He could be a, a roto guy you squat on a little bit. And then everybody else on the Spurs leans more punt and pointsy. That's Branham, that's Sohan, that's Devontae Graham. The list goes on and on. All of these guys make more sense head-to-head -head with a punt or points formats. That's the Spurs. Just pin that until something changes. Utah. Uh, curious about Chris Dunn. 
He's kind of semi-overtaken Talon Horton Tucker. Not completely, but those guys moving into a timeshare would be a real pain in the butt. Um, so let's keep an eye on that. Minnesota, uh, nothing other than whether or not Rudy Gobert plays, because if he doesn't, you go Nas Reed. Clippers, they can't help but lose overtime games these days. Maybe they'll get their first win under the in the Russell Westbrook era here against the Timberwolves. It's a game the Clippers should win. Uh, I am curious what ends up happening at the center spot once both Zubots and Plumlee are healthy, but Zoo's been out for the last couple of ball games. I'm also curious about Norman Powell's role going forward. He had carved out a nice little niche with the Clips, but Westbrook might be blowing that up. We will find out soon enough. Portland. Uh, they're still missing a handful of guys. I think we have a pretty good idea of what they are these days, which is Eubanks' low-end center replacement. Um, Thibault steals blocks, Reddish, a couple of points, and, you know, that's probably about as far as you're venturing down that rabbit hole. And then the Warriors are going to be without Andrew Wiggins again. Steph is still out, so expect Dante DiVincenzo to have a nice ball game. Draymond Green is expected back for the Warriors, so Kevon Looney doesn't have quite the wide-open highway that he had in the last couple of ball games. That, my friends, is your Tuesday edition of Fantasy NBA Today. To my recorded listeners, thank you as always. We love you much. Hit me up on Twitter at Dan Bespris, and then come join us on YouTube for the next live show. Come get your questions answered over there. We will. Well, wait, it's a Sports Ethos presentation. I forgot to tell you. SportsEthos.com, Ethos Fantasy BK is the basketball feed. Ethos Fantasy BB is the baseball feed. Definitely go check that out. If any of the thousands of you play a little fantasy baseball, I hope we'll see you over there. And Joe Orico is running an excellent baseball operation. For real this time, see you tomorrow.